Morning everybody and welcome to the morning after. I'm Dusty. With us this morning, we've got Benny and Lukey. How are we lads? Good mate. Yep. Ready to go. Right and ready. Nice one. Nice and early again. Pretty good round of footy, eh? I, I was pretty uh, pretty engaged the whole weekend. There were some really good games and I kind of thought that coming into it there was some some pretty good matchups and it's also translated on to uh, the super coach field as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, obviously, uh, Indigenous round does bring the best out in, um, I guess, our our Indigenous players. So, uh, yeah, that sort of translated into some of the results, some blowouts, but also some some pretty tight matches. So, yeah, all round good round of footy, and the NRL does Indigenous round better than the other code. So, yeah. Yeah, nice one. And before we jump in, lads, to uh, our game-by-game analysis, we uh, might just touch on the uh, the New South Wales side, and obviously the Queensland side's had a few predicted lineups put up, and we expect to see that a bit later today. Uh, but Benny, I'll, I'll throw over to you first, mate, because you're uh, our resident blue uh, with it without Azza here as well, mate. What did you make of the uh, the blue squad? Um, I like the fact that Jake Turbo's not there. <laughs> he hasn't earned it. Yeah. He hasn't earned it this year, man. He's been average, um, very, very average. He hasn't earned it. He's just been a tackle bot, and that's not what you need for Origin. So it's good to see Freddie's kind of um, done what he should have there rather than just sticking with what he knows. Uh, Car missing out's another one. Um, I think he's paid the price for going to a, a losing club, to be honest. Um, and while he's probably still had a fairly heavy leadership role there and, um, you know, he looks fairly busy in the games, it's just without the results, you know, they, they want someone obviously from a winning culture, Brian Toto, Daniel Tupu. I mean, the Roosters haven't been going great, but it's better than the Dogs. So, um, Tupu's been pretty good this year, so it's good to see him get, a, get his spot back. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure about the selection of... Jay Saf in in the team. Um, he's the, the Saifedi brothers have been stinking it up at Newcastle. Um, and I think there's there's other there was other choices there in the front row. But um, Luke, you mentioned last night in our group chat that he probably doesn't play. He's probably just going to be sitting in the reserves, um, injury cover. But, but yeah, for the most part, pretty happy with it. Um, I think Crichton is going to do a good job. Uh, Nico Hines. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on Nico Hines at 14. I think Jack Whiten's probably um, going to be selected there. Uh, Hines, as we've seen, uh, tends to fold a little bit under pressure. Um, I think Jackie's probably got a little bit more grit about him in that in that respect. So we'll see what Freddie does. Obviously, it's going to depend on how both of them train and perform in camp as to who gets the uh, the role there come, come game day. But yeah, for the most part, pretty happy with it. I was surprised with the Tupu selection, to be fair. I don't think he's played horrible footy, but as you touched on, I don't think the Roosters have really um, helped his cause. So I was surprised there. Personally, I would have, I would have, I would have maybe gone with uh, Crichton on a wing because he, look, let's be honest, he played most of last season there, and uh, maybe Campbell Graham in the centres. I know then you've got two debutants potentially playing side by side, so that's not necessarily. Um, the best option, and that may be why Freddie went with Tupo uh, there. But I just kind of felt like 
you know, has he played that much better than Addo Carr? Or has Addo Carr played that much worse? I'm not too sure. No, I don't think so. I just think it's a, it's possibly um, trying to win a little bit of a battle in the air too against against Coates and, yep. and Cobbo. He's, he's combating that a little bit with, with Tupu's height. Um, I thought, as you said, as you just mentioned, I thought Campbell Graham was pretty hard done by not to get at least a spot in the squad. Whether he plays in the centres or not, but but I think he should have been in the squad, mate. He fucking lit it up yesterday. Um, he was the best player on the field for the Rabbitohs by a long way. So, how does um, he miss out on a spot in the squad? I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, but, I, I get it. Sawali's in there as that you know that youngster pick. Like, get him into the system. You know, show him the week. Get him a bit of a taste of it, so he you know goes to that next level. Like, get that. But how does Campbell Graham not get in the squad? He has been. Even in the Bunnies' bad games, he's been their best player. Um, yeah, and, and it's probably a non, those non-selections that have sort of made me go, oh, okay, so there's, to me, there's a few selections and non-selections that show that Freddie feels the pressure a little bit. And the Queensland side to be announced a bit later today, I don't think there's going to be any real um, shocks, although I have seen a lot of... Yeah, Jeremiah Nano is supposed to be making yeah. his debut. And I, I did hear that that was at the expense of Kirk Capewell. So, as a New South Wales fan, I am frothing at Jeremiah Nanai in the back row. Oh, well, he won't start, surely. No, but, you wouldn't think so. It'd be at the expense of Fafita too, wouldn't it? Like, if he's playing, then, yeah. I, I get Kirk Capewell on the same grounds that... For, um, Jake Turbo, because Capewell hasn't been great this year. He's had a he's he's starting to come into form the last few games. He's looked a bit more like himself, but he's been pretty ordinary all year, struggling with injury. Um, yeah, but you'd rather see him there. But if Nanai's there ahead of him or Fafita, that's just odd, man. That is just really odd. Uh, yeah, I thought maybe picked as that youngster again, get him into the system, show him the week, but. Uh, yeah, not at the expense of those blokes. And like I said to you guys, if if you're New South Wales and the, the squad, Freddie and the coaching staff, and David Fafita's name isn't read out, you're cheering. Like, well, you don't have to plan for him. You don't have to plan for any forward. Yeah. You have to, they're just forwards. You know, maybe Tino, but, you know, he's put the offload away a little bit. Uh, he, well, he's not offloading. I think he's only had one offload this year. Um, mm. So, yeah, they, they just don't have to plan for a forward if a feed is not there. I'd have to have a look. I, I did see someone else saying that uh, Nanai would come in at the expense of Arrow too, which, again, I thought was a bit of an odd decision. Um, you know, Arrow's played pretty consistent footy this year without setting the world on fire. So that's someone who, you know, you probably want in the Origin Arena um, at this stage. So... Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see what happens a bit later on today and who Queensland uh, come up with anyway. All right, lads, so let's move uh, straight into uh, round 12. Uh, Lukey, as you touched on, Indigenous round, and this is how it played out. They've got it again here, Melbourne. And Cameron Munster has been gifted a try, and Melbourne will go further in front. Comes here from Yo. Cleary, players in motion again, Edwards, he goes to Tottenham, is there any better sight in rugby league than the Panthers at their free running best? Liu goes here to Campbell, here we go, an indigenous round, and Jaden Campbell will open 
setting sail for the corner, kicks in field, who wants to score? Kirk Capel does, and now the boom goes! Would you believe it or in France? Champagne Rugby League! There for Milford, he's got the kick through! He's got it through! With Teddy Zelensiak, unable to clean up, and flashing through for a double, Anari Chuala. Last play for South Sydney. They go short side. Walker. Flat ball. Graham gave it to Johnston. Alex Johnston goes into the record books. The all-time leading try scorer for the Rabbitohs. Manu draws them in. Gives it to Nesco. A flip pass. Just delightful. Matt Butcher finishes it off. We're getting a terrific version of the Roosters tonight. Hunt out ball, coming up quickly, Addo Carr, couldn't shut him down, Moga dives for the corner. Marty, back to Brown, plays behind Madison, Moses, Gutherson, beautiful football. Gee, that slip, that's great Parramatta play. So kicked off on Thursday night, um, Storm getting back on track with a 28-8 defeat of Manly, uh, who obviously first game without Tommy. Um, look, key stats, Storm completed at 88%, uh, they had five line breaks to two. Um, probably one of the big things, and we looked out for it a little bit before the game, uh, we, we, Lukey, you kind of called it a little bit, and have been for a few weeks, is, is Manly's really, really susceptible right side defence. Uh, Melbourne obviously highlighted that as well, and they attacked down that side early, uh, and had a bit of love there, Munster obviously crossed pretty early, and they kept going to that well, and uh, as a result, DCE had to make 28 tackles, Olakawa 236, and Cooler 15 they really made it a, a, a concerted effort to attack DCE, and as a result, he only had three hit-ups for the whole night. One of those was just a catch and tackle, so it really took that part of his game out of their attack. Um, and yeah, a pretty convincing win in the end. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> look, it probably went to script, to be fair, uh, with Jerome Hughes back. Uh, I think the Storm were never going to lose three on the trot. I, I don't know when the last time that they did that was. Uh, so I, I think Manly really had to uh, bring their A game to beat uh, Melbourne and they themselves had a few injuries and obviously Tommy was uh, losing Tommy for the season. Um, probably shifted their mindset a little bit but uh, yeah look, they were ordinary again and look uh, Manly are really struggling in the middle they're really losing the middle of the field the you know you've got Jake Dubojevic who <laughs> the thing the, the thing that's funny about Jake Dubojevic is his line speed's not great either because his foot speeds you know and he's just missed a perpetual motion so he'll lay a really good tackle or a really good shot on someone but what they don't see is that He's only got two or three metres off his line, you know, which is pretty poor anyway. So, you know, if he's your best forward in the middle, really, um, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they don't have, uh, well, they didn't have Marty Tapau. They've got Paseca on the sideline. But even so, you know, Dylan Walker's just, he can't stay on the field. So they're just losing the middle of the field. And, you know, DCE couldn't kick him out of trouble this game. So... Yeah, and Melbourne were kind of clunky, but they did uh, have some have some nice moments, obviously, and just obviously won the battle in the air. Um, obviously, Coates was pretty good in this game, uh, had some moments, but it was the Munster show, wasn't it? Like, he just, 
just stepped up when he needed to. Had a fantastic game. He couldn't ask for anything more. He had false dropouts, two strips there, had a try, um, try assist there to to Xavier Coates as well. So, yeah, it was a really good showing from Munster coming into Origin. Great for Queensland fans. Benny, how did you see it, mate? Yeah, I think Lukey covered it, mate. Um, Manly just couldn't keep up. And, and Cherry Evans, one of the boys in our group chat, threw up how good Munster looked. And I was like, man, he just fucking walked around Cherry Evans because he made, makes terrible defensive decisions. So, as a New South Wales fan, I think that's something that we need to, to target when he's defending uh, in Queensland. He so. fucking panics, Cherry Evans. Yeah, he man, panics. big like time. He, he shoots up out of the line real early and no one goes with him. And I don't know whether that's the players around him's fault or whether it's his fault, but y- you then watch him and he slides when he doesn't need to slide. He doesn't um, release off lead runners real well. He, he's, he just doesn't... You see him always having to go in on lead runners instead of like moving from there inside out if that makes any sense it's like he's almost got outside the lead runner and he goes oh shit better go back to check him oh no and it's just you watch him it's a thing of beauty in its horror <laughs> you know it's just disgusting to watch but fuck he fucks up that right side i'd hate to be defending with him it would just be a nightmare and the other side of the coin is i noticed a lot of the times when munster would push hard on um to his overs, to his outside shoulder, he turns. He turns his body so bad, and they just would bring Olam back under. Um, you know, that kind of exposed a, a bit of a one-on-one a couple of times there as well. So it's not necessarily his reading as well. It's his body shape, like you said. He turns in and turns out, and it just really kind of uh, throws that whole side out. To, to be fair, I think part of what I've liked about Cooler um, his defence has been pretty good in terms of his hitting and sticking. Uh, you know, some of his reading hasn't been great, but again, is, is that him or is that the fact that that whole uh, right side is so dysfunctional that he's uh, struggling? It's, it's a hard position to defend in, but I think for the most part, his defence has been pretty good. He's only a small fella. Um, but he's been okay. Look, super coach studs and duds in this one. Munster, 112. Good way to start a, uh, a round on a Thursday night if you had him VC'd. Um, Kenny Bromwich had a 91, obviously had a try there. And uh, look, Olukawatu for Manly had a 70 in terms of the duds. Uh, look, Cherry Evans, 29. Probably can't go past him. And look, Schuster come off the bench. Uh, with a 20 and so that's got to be fairly worrying for Schuster owners as to what kind of role he plays I think when he's got a bit of match fitness he probably comes in for Davey but um, yeah we'll just have to see all right uh, moving on uh, so the next game obviously the early game on Friday night was Penrith taking on the Cowboys and this was a top of the table clash at the time one and two uh, this was down in uh, Penrith and look, the Panthers come away with this one 22-0 over the Cowboys. The Panthers had 57% of possession. Uh, Cowboys completed at 62%, which, again, uh, you're just going to struggle to be in and stay in games uh, with that kind of percentage. Errors are pretty even, 14-16. Line breaks, uh, the Panthers had 5-1. to one. And look, the Panthers had... 24 straight tackles uh, at the Cowboys in their uh, on their try line early on, um, and there was four uh, holdups. I think, Lukey. I think there was four opportunity, four missed opportunities from the Panthers. A couple were holdups. A couple were tackled just before the line. I think Viliami Kickout might have had a try disallowed in there somewhere as well. Yep. Um, but that's what laid the platform. And as courageous as the Cowboys were. 
it gassed them and they just couldn't go on from there because you see you could see from there they were trying to fire shots but their execution was just a little bit off and they they couldn't finish opportunities they were just gassed and Penrith were really disciplined they just kept their shapes uh, kept to their game plan and eventually rolled over the top of them yeah uh, look <clears throat> you got a feel for the Cowboys here um, you know not having Tal Malolo did hurt them in terms of uh, the way that he attracts so many defenders uh, it re- really would have helped in a team against uh, like uh, Penrith where they do absorb uh, or they do put a lot of numbers in the tackle um, so that that's one way to really uh, sort of expose them like Parramatta did a few weeks ago especially if you can get a late offload so that did hurt them but yeah you're right it was just through sheer weight of defence um, that they weren't able to sort of generate anything with the, the ball in hand and that the thing is they are a young side still you know and <laughs> like well, uh, they're not a young side but they've got a, a lot of young players in there that are still learning how to play in those big moments like you're talking about a side last year that was bottom three um, that are now sort of learning how to deal with their success a bit and, and how to you know keep winning games and you know, it would have been hard. They were riding a pretty good win streak there. They'd beaten a few good teams, Parramatta, Melbourne. Um, and they probably thought that coming into this one that they probably would have been able to just compete off the back of the form that they were in. But, uh, yeah, Penrith twists the screws like like no one else does, you know. Um, and, you know, they sort of maybe, maybe got found out a little bit because, I mean, Melbourne were fairly injuries hit the week before had blokes playing out of position um so yeah i think a bit of a reality check that they need i think it's a good time to do this though a good time for them to have this reality check so they can just sort of reset and go all right what do we do wrong uh what do we need to do better um i think they'll be better for this the cowboys to be fair i think this will be a good good loss for them in the uh scheme of things at the end of the season you can't underestimate it was also their first game in sydney since the 2017 grand final too so, you for real? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, um, surely not. <laughs> no, but I think it was. I think it was their first game in Sydney for a year and a half, or since last year. I don't think they they haven't played in Sydney this year. Um, so you know that's another factor too. And when that when that first game is obviously uh, in um, over in Penrith where it was packed. Uh, pretty noisy. And probably freezing too. Yeah, probably freezing. Well out of their comfort zone. It didn't really come together uh, for them on that night. So, yeah, Benny, anything to add on this game, mate? Oh, for me, it pretty much went to script. I saw the Panthers winning, not by like a stupid amount. Um, I thought the Cowboys would have got a couple of points on them, whether it was one or two tries. But obviously, Panthers, as you said, Luke, you just turn the screws. Um, they they absorb pressure very well uh, and then they take the chances when they come um, I think I, I thought Isaiah Yeo was fucking phenomenal again the dude makes 30 to 35 tackles in the middle every fucking week and then he's still just this absolute linchpin in attack just ties ties Cleary to Luai and and Edwards all together so well um, he's um yeah he's, he's definitely a good a good shout for Dalian at the end of the year if he continues the form he's in it's what the Roosters are trying to have. Like, the, the, the Panthers have got four gun playmakers, and Appy Corusau is not one of those. It's Yo, Edwards, Cleary, and Luai. And they just know their parts. They just know their role so well. Now, you flick over to the Roosters, 
they've got pr- four pretty good playmakers there as well. How how is it not working for them? And uh, we, we've talked to how Teddy makes things quite clunky, but it's interesting watching how well it works for the Panthers and how it's not working for the Roosters. Uh, Super coach studs and duds in this one, Edwards. Had 100, and uh, our man Yo had 83. Nanai had 75. Nanai had a 75 in this game. And they didn't score any tries. 46 tackles. 46 tackles, wow. Oh, well, good on the young lad. Shows that he's not just all chasing kicks. Yeah, fucking kicks. amazing. Yeah, yeah. I got rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. And uh, look, Ruben Cotter uh, had a 72, and that was probably on 72 tackles. Actually, uh, he made nearly yeah, 59 <laughs> tackles, man. Yeah, 60 fucking tackles, Ruben Cotter. Zero misses, too. It was, it was, it was literally zero misses. So interesting there. Look, uh, Dud's in this one. I think, look, uh, Viliami kick our owners. He had a pretty good game, um, but he only scored a 36. And look, the hammer uh, only had a 22 for the Cowboys in this one. So. All right, moving on. So, next game, uh, the Broncos v. the Titans. Now, the Broncos have got away with this one, 35-24. But as we know, it was 24-4 just after halftime to the Titans. And just just a collapse, just an epic collapse from the Titans here. Um, Just went into meltdown. They had two blokes binned, went down to 11, still scored a try in that time. Um, but somehow managed to let this one um, slip. And look, Broncos ended up with 54% of possession here. Um, Look, most of the key stats were pretty even in in this one. Uh, I just think that they they got on a roll late. Um, The home ground advantage kicked in. And again, another big win without Adam Reynolds, Benny. Yeah, mate. Yeah, look, I thought Toby Sexton probably had one of his best performances in the first half. Like... He was very strong, um, laying on oh, three try assists, I think. Yep. So, he, he was pretty good. And I just, you know, usually they just look like they were ready to go on with it. But um, just one of those one of those games, again, where halftime's the worst enemy of the team that's um, got momentum. And it just absolutely halted that momentum, shifted it to the Broncos, and the Titans couldn't stop it. Uh, the Broncos just had a bit more class. I thought Ezra, Ezra Mann was very good again. For a young bloke, he's um, good in defence, wasn't he? Made yeah, a couple he's of nice good in defence, yeah. and he backs up well. He's got a good, like, good speed. I think the Broncos could do worse than. I know Gamble's done a job there, but they could do worse than have Ezra Mam alongside Adam Reynolds. I think Ezra Mam probably offers a bit more than Gamble, but um, at the moment, Gamble's doing doing a job, so he probably holds his spot. Um, yeah, mate. Look, it sort of went to went to shit for the Titans after the second half, so. Not much more to say about it. They just fell in a heap. When Sexton did his shoulder, he went off for a bit, and that's when I felt like they lost their ascendancy, which is quite odd considering the kid's like 20 years old. But they definitely lost a little bit of um, their ascent. That's when they needed to bring Jaden Campbell into the game a bit more. And after that first try, he most of his involvements were on kick returns. And again, it talks to how do they get their key players involved? Yeah, well, you you got a bloke like um, uh, Tanner Boyd that comes in to replace him there, who's, you know, obviously trying to, uh, you know, I, I guess earn a spot in first grade, and he's played and he's played all his footy at nine all year, so he's training there, you know, so straight there, there's a dynamic change that they 
they didn't have. And, and if you had Toby Sexton, that was really cool on the shots and maybe really having one of his better um, dominant games in terms of how he runs the side, and then that all comes to crashing down, then you really expect AJ Brimson to step up and take that. But he, he just hasn't, AJ Brimson. And I don't know why, you know, he does a lot of the kicking and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he seems to struggle. Um, I, I want to give a shout-out to Corey Pakes. Um you know, I think the hooker combination that Broncos have got now is really working for them. I mean, uh, you know, neither's sort of... It, it's probably not really a good long-term solution. Um, but, you know, for the personnel that they've got, it, it definitely works for them. And, and Corey Pakes has been outstanding, I think, since he's uh, been able to come into that first-grade side. What he brings off the bench is just pure energy. Uh, he, he, he runs it when he needs to run it. Um, you know, he's got pretty good pass selection. His service has improved a shitload from when he first came into first grade. And, uh, yeah, I think he's made a big difference to this Broncos side because he's really challenging that ruck defence and giving time for Adam Reynolds, giving time for, you know, Mam and, and, and guys like that to uh, be able to ball play effectively before the line. Um, so I think, it, you know, we, we all look at the Reynolds effect and, and you know, Cobbo and all those guys. But I think Corey Pakes is a bit of an unsung hero for him at the moment. Yeah, fair call, fair call. Lads, um, I put up in our group chat the other night quickly uh, to wrap this game up. What's what's your value on Selwyn Cobo at the moment? What would you be prepared to pay to get him to your club? Oh, half a mil. You'd spend half a mil on him. I mean, you know, it's not out of the realms that you see a young fella with that sort of price tag uh, market value around at the moment you know it, it's not really that much when you think about it and for someone who's shown the talent that he has uh, the last six weeks the way he's embraced contact and just physical violence on the football field is uh, something to behold and it's um, it's got me firm in my plums <laughs> yeah Benny what about you mate how much do you reckon, you reckon that's whatever whatever Sione Cattell is on plus more <laughs> he's look man Sione Cattell is good and uh, he's just not offering what other wingers in the comp are offering and I'd fucking love someone like Selwyn Cobbo like Mulatalo offers so much more than, than Katoa um, as a Cronulla fan it's just um, yeah that that yardage game that, that Cobbo possesses is so fucking crucial, and um, yeah, I, I reckon six or seven hundred you could you could afford to spend on him. What about that play where he takes that intercept, saves the try, but not only that, then beats four tackles and gets it back out to the twenty-five. Yep. So so not only has he stopped the Titans from scoring, he's now had to make them backtrack another thirty-five meters because they're all on the try line, and their defensive line was fucked. And I think from that, that's where McIntyre got binned. Yeah, I think so. I think it was that set, yeah. So they just had to stop the chaos, basically. So, yeah, very good. Um, so, studs and duds in this one. Uh, Herbie Farnworth had a great game again uh, on in this one. He had 105. And as you touched on, Benny Sexton had, had one of his better games as well. He ended up on an 85, and that's despite spending probably 15, 20 minutes off the field. Uh, duds in this one again. Um, yeah, so... Uh, look, Corey Jensen again has um, knocked out a 30 after putting up some fairly decent numbers. And same with Flegler. Both of their minutes have, have definitely waned a little bit. Yeah, um, Flegler's has. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, at the moment, which is a bit disappointing. And look, Zacco had 26 despite goal kicking in a after the Titans scored 24 points. So, 
Moving on, next game, uh, the Knights versus the Warriors. And the Warriors won this one. Um, this was the battle to prove who's the shitter side. Basically, <laughs> and they won because <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't great viewing. Uh, had some decent moments uh, for both sides actually. Um, look, the Knights won with forty five percent possession, um, and again, I, I, I just I, I kind of want to get inside AOB's head here because we only missed twelve tackles that whole game, and I reckon three or four of those came after those first two tries. We only missed 12 tackles. Like, it's not... Like, <laughs> we're not inventing, reinventing the wheel here. You don't miss tackles, you win football games. And that's been the recipe for us this whole year. When we put it together defensively, we figure out a way to win football games. And again, we've done it somehow, obviously, um, this week. Um, we got the, the Chockeys 24-16 to 16 in this one. Um, Benny, how did you see this one go? wasn't great viewing was it no nah, man I, I i'll be honest with you i switched this one off um I, I i bounced on this game after like the first half i was like mm, oh the first I'm half was gonna, just dreadful. yeah i'm not gonna watch this anymore look it seemed from what i saw uh it seemed that the more the knights could get the ball in ponga's hands the better off even though they had less percentage he was just sort of making making stuff happen um which is obviously what you know what he's there for uh, i thought the um the force change of Bradman Best to Anari Tawala sort of did wonders for that Knights left side attack. As you spoke about uh, on the podcast on Tuesday, Tawala's probably a better line runner than, than Bradman Best. He doesn't need the early ball and it suits Ponga's game a bit better. Um, let's Ponga ball play to, to a hard line runner like Tawala. And look, man, we said to pick him up and he knocked out 95 points. He got a double, I think, didn't he? Um, double and a line break. And a line break. A try assist as well to, to Eddie yep. Lee there as well. And all of those tries were just hitting lines. Just smashing lines. And when Ponga swings around to that left-hand side, that's what he wants. As a ball player, Lukey, you're a ball player as well. Benny, you're, a, you're an outside back. When you swing around like that, you're just looking for someone just to crash into the line, crash into a hole. You don't want someone sitting back and waiting. And so it makes me kind of think all the people going, we need to give Bradman Best more ball. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think we look better when we have blokes just punching into holes like that. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, it makes the game easy when you've got that. You know, you're not having a second guess defenders. You just, you do what you want. And you've got the kick option there too. If you've got blokes, you know, pouring into holes that are marked. Um, yeah, you've always got that kick option. Uh, a couple of uh, things that I'd like to point out here that I thought were uh, fairly synonymous with this game was the offloads. So six offloads total for the game between both sides. And I think that talks to why these teams are struggling. Um, Nathan Brown has just stopped anyone offloading. You know, he had two of the best offloaders in the game in Tabunga and... Uh, um, uh, AFB. AFB. Um, and he just he's just shut up shop. Um, and then the Knights two offloads. I mean, the the thing is, second phase play, the pressure that that puts on teams that are retreating, especially a late offload, it generates points in itself because it, it fatigues defences because they've got to get back up for another tackle. And, you know, it scatters defensive line. The, the value of good second phase play in this comp is just... Uh, under uh, underappreciated, and you saw the, what it did for Parramatta against Penrith a few weeks ago. But six offloads for the game, and and I think that talks to why these teams are struggling in attack. So I mean, 
all you need is a couple of offloads. I mean, David Clemmer, he's got it in his game, you know, and, you know, Ponga sniffing around. I mean, it, it changes got it as it. well. Barnett's got it, yeah. We just had to win the game, man. And I'm sure high completions was, was part of that strategy. It was just don't give the ball over, complete. Look, we won the game, so I get what you're saying. And, you know, that's something we can bring in a little bit later, but we just have to win games at the moment, so. But you say high completion, and the Warriors completed at 76%. You guys completed at 71%. So, uh, yeah, oh, exactly. But a lot of that was was due to our shit dummy half passes. (laughs) There was like four or five of them that we we knocked on. But, like, in terms of, like, playing risk-free footy. Lads, just quickly before we move off this game. Ah, Benny, SJ. What's doing? Oh, maybe <laughs> his kicking game's gone to shit, hasn't it? Like, yeah, he's just folding. Like he's 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 washed. He's one hundred percent washed. Just put put RC yep. there next to uh next to CHT. See see Johnny. Well, give that Falkman a crack. I yeah, reckon yeah, like he brought over because he's supposed to be a real prospect. Remember, I said this a few weeks ago. Like he's just. His end of, compl- end of set completions are just all wrong. He just fucks it up all the time, and it puts him under such pressure, which is the wrong kick, kicking it out on the full. Like he, he's hurting the he's hurting them as a team, but he's also hurting um, the rest of the players around him because he's just not rewarding them. You know, could you imagine putting in all that effort? To then see him just put it, and I reckon forwards are running there going, what the fuck are you doing, man? Give me the ball, I'll kick it, you know? But uh, a bit, I've got to give a shout-out to um, their centre, Vileya. Um, he looks a real prospect, man, um, and he, he just doesn't get the footy enough for me. I, I think that they've got to find a way to get him in, into the game a little bit more because he's really damaging. Supercoach studs and duds in this one. Not too much to talk to on the New Zealand side. Uh, Aitken and Pompey both had 66 and 65 respectively. Um, and on the night side, we obviously talked to Tawala having uh, a bit of a day out there on the left edge with a 95. Um, duds in this one. Uh, look, I'm going to probably point to Lockie Fitzgibbon here. Um, he's got a 37 on an edge and he fucked another try. He dropped a ball again. Um, with the line <laughs> open, and that's two in two weeks, mate. Like, come on, bro. Fuck. But he, he, I'm sure he did. He had one earlier in the year before he got injured. Every chance he did, man. Every yeah. chance he did. This <laughs> yeah. is Lockie Fitzgibbon. This is what yeah. you get. All right, moving on. So, second game on the Saturday: Souths versus the Tigers. And what started as a bit of a seesawing affair got big on the Tigers quick, didn't it? Like, they just, again, similar to the Titans, I think this was, eight. was it 18-12 at halftime? Um, or maybe 12-all or something? And then uh, it just got out of hand, and it ended up being 44-18 to 18, uh, to the Bunnies in this one. Uh, look, the Tigers missed 45 tackles. Every time you're missing kind of north of 40 tackles in a game, you know that you're going to be leaking some points, and they only completed at 69%. So again, um, all the ingredients for uh, look a, a pretty ordinary showing here. Campbell Graham was a beast in this game, and he had the matchup against Star Toa, and for all the good Star Toa has done over the last probably month to six weeks... It hasn't really been on the defensive end, and this is the problem with Startower being in the centres, <laughs> is that he comes up against someone like this, and it's just a match-up dream for whoever's opposing him. As a result, Campbell Graham, one try, three tries, it's four tackle busts, uh, and yeah, gave Toa a bath this, uh, in this game. Benny, how'd you see this one go? Yeah, like two script. Um, 
I thought the Rabbitohs were going to win, but the Tigers came out strong. I thought Dane Laurie was good on his return. Good, I thought yeah. I thought he was someone that they've been missing. Um, I, stuff that's always been doing a, a job back there, but Dane Laurie just I think he just adds something extra. Um, he's a bit lighter on his feet, and yeah, probably a little bit better pass selection, a bit better of a passing game. But um, yeah, they just it just got away from him, didn't it? Um, they just started going to, to to Campbell Graham when they could, and he was just lighting it up on that left edge. Um, there was a combined uh, 13 missed tackles between Luke Garner and, and Offhand Gowie, which does yeah, not right. help at all. Luke Garner missed six, Offhand Gowie missed seven, and like Jake Simpkin missed four. So if you're missing seven in and four tackles in the middle, respectively, that's you're just going to get rolled over. Um, so yeah, it's it was yeah, like it looked promising, and then yeah, Rabbitohs just ran away with it. That intercept. Um, that Kapoa took early on probably masked a few things because let's be honest, he he was in pretty far. There was two was. blokes. If that if, that's, if that passed Stark, he's they're done. They'd, yeah, exactly. And they just kept going back there to South Credit. They had a game plan and they stuck to it despite that happening, and it and it paid dividends in the end. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think that uh, look the, the Tigers seem to be um, considerably out of their depth in this one. Yeah. I think it, when when they turned the screws up and South started playing to the matchups, which is their left-hand side, uh, I believe when Toa played centre earlier this year, he was actually... Um, oh, sorry, he was on the right um, this game, but I think last year, uh, earlier this year, he was on the left where he played centre. Um, I don't know if they look at uh, changing that around, but once they isolated that matchup and they found out that that's going to be uh, beneficial for them, they just kept going to the well. And uh, yeah, Campbell Graham, it's it's ironic that uh, he's outscored um, Alex Johnson, who got a triple when he only got one try himself. Um, it, it goes to show what sort of a weapon he is. And yeah, um, he's been doing it all year, to be fair, and he's only just come to fruition. Um, yeah, so uh, I think the Tigers just halftime was the worst thing that happened to them. I think that they had a bit of momentum there, but they've come back out and uh, they just, yeah, they, they just went to water, really. Um, yeah, a few teams have got that in them there, don't they? You put a bit of pressure on them and they crumble. Uh, it's, yeah, concerning for the Tigers. Studs and duds in this one, obviously uh, a few for Souths. Their big guns definitely come to shine in this one. Graham had 119, as we just spoke to. Johnson had a triple, got 114, and Cody Walker got a double in uh, was probably his best game of the season, I reckon. Um, yeah, had a really good game. And look, Sevilla Havili had a 93 in this one. He was him and Harme Sale were really good in this game. Um, I think this is the I think this is the um, uh, recipe for them is those two blokes who are they're, they're small and compact they're not small but they're compact dudes you know not tall good foot speed got offloads and stuff like that so Havili's played 42 minutes and Sele 30 um, yeah them those guys around the middle especially uh, you know with Cam Murray if, that that though if you had those three guys as your middle forwards um, you know, in the back end of the game, that's tough. And then you bring sort of Burgess on at the end there, just to skittle blokes, which is what he did because he had a great game too. Burgess, he he ran for uh, a lot of meters. But yeah, it's it's just the uh, the formula because in that middle part of the game, when you can lose it, they've got these blokes who've got good foot speed who can generate second phase. Uh, yeah, and look, Severely's a hooker. 
in Supercoach. So man, he had sixty six points in base and yeah. in base and tackle bus. He had eight tackle breaks. 100% man and he had an offload and an ineffective offload and he did get a try on a line break obviously but yeah I'm I'm looking at those stats he's 23 tackles 14 hit ups 9 in hit up 8s you take like, that 30 points off him he's still well, for the try and line break well, he's still, still got 60 yeah points. he's still 60 something points in base like that's yeah. nuts man he's he's hinted in at 30 minutes some, yeah he's hinted at doing something like this for for a few games now um look uh, Cody Nicarima <laughs> for the dud in this one. Oh, he was oh, in trouble, wasn't he? Mate, there would have been a lot of people plugging him in late because... Wait, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did have him, but I flicked him before the game. Um, a lot of people plugged him in late and a 16 playing fullback for... He didn't play the whole 80 minutes because they bought Taff on with about 10 to go, I reckon. Um, but yeah, <sighs> bit of a... Uh, Shut your eyes moment for uh, Nicarima owners if you plugged him in late. Uh, next game, final game on the Saturday night. Um, <laughs> talking about close your eyes games. Uh, Benny, <laughs> to look away now. Um, the uh, the Roosters pretty much rolled the Sharkies in this one. There was a bit of a 20-minute period uh, in the second half where the... Uh, the Sharkies mounted a bit of a comeback here on the back of uh, a fairly heavy penalty count against the Roosters. Uh, but they got the job done, 36-16, uh, the Roosters in this one. Um, look, line breaks, mixed tackles, possessions and completions were mostly even. And the Sharks won the penalty count 12-7 in this one. But I think the Roosters created and converted more opportunities in this game. They just seemed to, uh, again, they had they had a bit of a, a field day uh, on the Sharks' right-hand side. Um, but, yeah, look, I think, look, Teddy had one of his biggest games uh, for the year and, and it just looked like the uh, the Sharks were overawed. Yeah, mate, look, the writing was on the wall pretty early for me um, when they went over. Uh, pretty early there, I was like, uh, "This is we're gonna we're gonna lose." There was a reason I was pretty high on back in the Roosters in, in our um, syndicate. Uh, I was just like, "There was I just couldn't see us winning this." Tuber went over in the third minute and in the twentieth minute, and I was just like, yeah, "We're done here." Um, I just knew that the Sharks at the moment we just don't have the class to match it with someone like the Roosters, especially when they come in and they play uh, to their potential like they did here. Um, you know, James Tedesco probably had one of his best games this year. He lit it up, just created everything. He was backing up. He was like, yeah, he was just in everything, Teddy. Um, I thought Kiri was pretty good uh, in this game too. And it just, the Sharks just are still looking real clunky in attack. And um, while it's been working and it's worked for Melbourne uh, to run three fullbacks, essentially, uh, Munster Hughes, and Pappy, Munster and Hughes have converted into their roles over the last couple of years. And I just, they're just that next level above Hines and, um, Hines and Moylan, who are obviously both fullbacks as they came through grade as well. Uh, and then you got Will Kennedy, and I just, yeah, it was just clunky. Um, and we just don't have a game controller as such. Nico's still probably got a fair bit of work to do on his kicking game and his, and his end of sets. Uh, so. If it you're is Cronulla, what it is. though, you don't want. I, I, I don't want Hines as my game controller. 
I, I want him to be the one that, that generates the points. So to me, I'm like, I think you guys have got to go to the market and try and get one. If you don't yes, have one I sitting so in Reggie's, yep. I think you've got to let the Trindle experiment go and you've got to have a look for someone, you know, like a, a Sean O'Sullivan would have been great. O'Sullivan would have been good, yeah. But, you know, someone like him that, that's just kicking around and you can just get bring in to just run the show and, and let Hines run the ball because that's what his strength is, is running the ball. Um, and he's got a good passing game too, but he, he's, he shouldn't be managing that team, man. That's that's not his go. Yeah, uh, the way I see it is he, he touches the ball. Like he's, he's doing the same sort of shit as Ben Hunt's doing at the Dragons. Like he's touching the ball so many times every set, which is fine. But what the fuck is Moylan doing? Like mm. he's not kicking. He's not pushing the team around the park. And Moylan's just this dude in the middle. Well, in, on the edge, sorry, just fucking around. Just, uh, you know, oh, I'll hit T. Wilton or I'll hit... Hines out the back. He, he's basically playing an Isaiah Yo role, but without the advantage of being able to dig into the line properly. Yeah. So, uh, look, I just don't know. I reckon you guys will benefit for Ramian being defensively back on that edge too. I know he's got like, you know, he's got a bit of a grubby record in terms of high shots. He's had two this year, but I just think he's he, he's got some starch about him and he's not a bad reader either um, and, and he can recover. I, I think that Connor Tracy, he's just... He's starting to suffer from the fact that he's not in first grade regularly. Uh, there were so many opportunities he had yesterday to pass to Katoa or on Saturday night to Katoa, but he just takes it himself all the time, and that's a bloke who doesn't get a lot of first grade. So I think having Rami in back on that edge will, you know, solve a few problems for you anyway, I think. Yeah, look, um, Supercoach studs and duds in this one. Um, so pretty good scoring for the Sharks despite... Um, the scoreline here McInnes had a 94 Obviously had that line break try Molotalo 71 um, But it was all on the Rooster side Tedesco 144 Tupo 107 And Crichton um, had one of his better uh, Supercoach games for the year As well had an 84 uh, In terms of duds um, Look some pretty even scoring throughout this one Suwali had a 20 Which was probably pretty disappointing for Roosters owners They, they uh, continued to go uh, To their left and when they did go right, and Teddy put that flick pass on, uh, it was Nat Butcher who popped up and got the spoils. So yeah. all the owners would have been uh, cheering until they saw a uh, a rounder second row forward on the end of uh, one of Teddy's passes. So, um, yeah. But, uh, look, again, I, I think that uh, the result has to die with with Hines and he's just struggling with that at the moment I think there's there's got to be somebody else who who owns the result for the Sharks at the moment and it's kind of falling onto Hines and he doesn't know what to do when it gets out of his control a little bit so look probably do they have the buy this weekend Benny? I'm sure I'd look because they could possibly. probably use it I reckon I reckon yeah I, I agree yeah we do yeah we do so yeah. Uh, Broncos, Dragons, Eels, Knights, South, Sharks, Storm and Tigers with the bite this yeah, weekend. Nice one. All right, moving on. Um, we'll breeze through these ones pretty quickly. So we got the Dragons defeating the Bulldogs 34-24 yesterday in a bit of a seesawing affair. Like, it looked like the Dragons were going to run away with it. Then the Bulldogs come back and you thought having the uh, the, the, the crowd behind them there at Belmore, uh, you know, would have kind of surged them ahead. And then the Dragons got on top again. The Bulldogs came back and then they finally put it to bed uh, with a block of lorry try late in the piece in this one. Again, Dragons won with less footy, uh, 47% possessions. Uh, penalties, missed tackles and errors were mostly even. Um, 
was pretty good watching the Lomax versus Short matchup. I, I actually didn't. I was. I didn't captain Lomax in this game because I thought he'd have a pretty tough afternoon against Short, and he did. But he still managed to get a few, rack up a few points. Short had a pretty good game himself as well. Um, but look again, another bit of a scrappy affair. Lots of points in this one. Look, how'd you see it go? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just two sides that are, are struggling at the moment. Um, Dragons are sort of struggling with a really ordinary attack. Um, it, it, it just, I, I, I watch it and I just think of uh, when Hook was coaching Penrith and it's just this real flat attack. The thing about at Penrith was he had like these X-Factor players that could make something out of nothing like Peak Moylan, um, Ty Peachy, Dylan Edwards was in some pretty good early career form then as well. You know, he had good players around that could just pull something out of nothing. The the Dragons don't. Um, and look, they, they've got blood like Lomax and stuff but you know he's a centre you, you, you don't want you, you know you, you don't want him to be the one that's generating attack one man in so yeah it just looks disgusting I hate watching their attack um and so, obviously, you know, they're struggling to, to sort of find their identity and dominate sides. And, you know, the Bulldogs are in some pretty ordinary form of late uh, and they just couldn't put them away. So, uh, you, know, you know, look, uh, you get this is the Matt Dufty game that you get a um, couple of times a year that he obviously had a really good game and sort of blew that second half open himself with a bit of individual brilliance. But, you know, yeah, they're... they're uh, they're definitely rebuilding the dogs, and I think that uh, they'll get a few more results like this, and they'll probably get a couple of good scalps before the end of the year, um, because they are sort of just starting to find a bit of a groove. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're just also struggling themselves, I think. Matty Burton couldn't kick his thong off in that first half. Oh, <laughs> he was dreadful. Oh. And I, I just didn't see this coming. I did not see. I know he went to a really bad situation, but I thought he would still make it a better situation by him being there. He's that good of a player, but he's really struggled. And, and Kyle Flanagan's been dog shit, and you can't tell me otherwise. He, he's just nothing in games. He's nothing. Yeah, the thing is, man, is that... Um and this is the benefit of listening to the sixth, uh, the fifth and last boys too, because obviously you've got Brocky, who's the coach there at Mounties, who's done it with Potter. Potter is now going, apparently, stick to what Barrett's taught you, and then we'll just tweak things as we need to go. The game plan that, and the structure that Barrett's put in place there is what's failed them. Sticking Burton to that edge is what's failed them. You know what I mean? Um, Flanagan's coming in, and, and if Flanagan can't hold up one edge himself he's not that good a player he needs to be the bloke who's on the footy like doing the Ben Hunt thing you know what I mean just you know heaps of touches and then just get it and you just say to Burton when you want it you tell me you'll get it you know what I mean what do you want to do you know where, where do you want the footy and then we'll get it to you there that's what needs to happen but they're, they're splitting the halves aside and you've got this gun half Burton on 30 metres of the field and then you've got this you know incapable half on the other side, doing the same thing. But you're letting Dufty be the one that has to generate attack there. Now, Dufty's sketchy at best. You get this game every probably five or six weeks. They've got to do away with the whole structure. They've got to get Burton on the ball more. They've got to get Flanagan on the ball more. Um, and Burton and, and Dufty just being the cream. So I think that's the problem, man. I think there's plenty of personnel around him for Burton to have shone there. And that's what we saw. We saw... Uh, you know the the uh, Paul Vaughans and the TPJs and the, and the Josh Addo cars and Dufty's going there going oh well Burton's got it all right 
but I think it's the game plan that he's existing in that's that's hampering him. Yeah, fair call, fair call. And look, uh, to your point, Benny, last week, he has uh, unlocked uh, Jeremy Marshall King a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, it looks like Potter's been like giving him a bit of a license to run, and it looks like he's given him the, the most part of the 80 minutes. Um, I don't know if he played 80 minutes on... I know he played 74 nah, minutes Zach or something Docker last Clay week. Nah, Zach Docker Clay got some time. Yeah, but it, uh, Marshall King stayed on last time. Did uh, he? Zach Docker Clay came on. Yeah, I'll just have a quick look. I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did actually. He played 80. Played 80. Play, played 80 minutes. Yeah. yeah, he played like 74 last week. So, look, Marshall King got an 88 last week and a 66 this week. Um, but it, it just looks like he's given him a bit, bit of a license to run. And Marshall King's got a pretty solid running game. Like, he's not elite quick, but he's quick enough to take an advantage of a, of a half break. So, um, you know, I, I think Lukey's right. I think they need to let Burton play both sides of the field and... and just um, planning and shovel the ball out to him and hopefully they can unlock something. But until they change something there with their attacking structures, it's not going to work. Uh, it's not going to get any better. You can tell that uh, Gordy Tallis, Mel Meninger and uh, Justin Holbrook don't watch Dogs games. Because if you did, surely you'd be trying to get Jeremy Marshall King there for next year. Like, he's the best hooker on the market. Surely. Well, I think he's actually got one year to play. But they, the talk is that <laughs> they'd you let him stay go there. because yeah, they were Barney's there, right? And and that's yeah. what you'd, you'd, you'd point to. Look, the Dragons could use him as well. Um, another side that needs a needs a decent hooker. Fuck the Broncos could too. Yeah, there's, you know, a so the, there's a heap of teams. There's a heap of teams. we could. We could. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, we use an appy. So yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, look, Supercoach studs and duds uh, for this one. Um, some, so some pretty good scoring here. Dufty, obviously, Lukey, you touched on that. He had a 91. Avrilo got a double and had an 80 uh, in this one for the Dragons. Lomax with a 98. And oh, Andrew McCulloch, 71. <laughs> in like 20 minutes. It was 20 minutes. A try and then uh, a try assist there to Laurie as well. Um, Duds in this one. Look, uh, Suley's copped a 31 here. They just didn't go to him. They just didn't go to him on this side. So, unfortunately, um, not great output there. And then Frankie Molo um, being outdone by his brother again two weeks in a row. So, a 26. Kiro's on a 29 hurts. He looks good, though, doesn't he? He does. Looks de- he does. definitely looks good. He's so. gone from the left to the right with that O'Carr coming back, um, which is going to hurt him because he's on Flanagan's side of the field. Yep. Now. All right, moving on, and we'll quickly run through the Eels 28 versus the Raiders 20. Um, Look, this was the Raiders game to lose, and they lost it pretty much. Canberra completed it. they do. Yeah. The faders, that's it. Uh, They completed it at 87% um, and had 52% of the possession. The commentators were really going back to that call. They're 18-16 up, and they decided to take the two when they could have just put the blowtorch on. Uh, Parramatta and um, obviously potentially turned that into at least four points didn't back their ability they took the two and then it wasn't long after that where um, Dylan Brown got his uh, his try um, his second try I think um, when Lane went through and then they obviously Parramatta scored that cracker with Simonson in the corner after that and it was all done by that game um, lads pretty good matchup Dylan Brown versus Whiten. They're on different sides of the field. I get that, but it was just good to see who kind of stood up. Whiten, 
he, he can't own a game anymore. He was struggling to impose himself on the game, and we've talked about he's being pinned to that left edge, um, struggling there. But but Dylan Brown definitely uh, won this one. Yeah, oh, definitely. And and look, um, yeah, the the thing is, you could uh, this this is where the sports science and the psychology side of it comes into it. And this is what I think they need to do with players is like Canberra need to get a sports psychologist in and go when you decided to take that too. <laughs> This is what happened. Parramatta, you could you could have scored a try, repeat set, and just heaped the pressure on them. But instead, by taking that, you haven't really increased the lead by anything significant. And for them, they would have gone, oh, well, we could have been down by eight. But instead, we're now only down by four. And it was from that point on, you could see them get a bit of energy. You could see them really start to put more effort in that they weren't doing prior to that. So that, that's a really pivotal psychological moment that, that Canberra lost there. And I think the, the commentator, Sterlo used to say this all the time, you do what you think the opposition would least like you to do. But I think in those things, they do what they think the coach would do or what, you know, strategy, you know, what strategically would be the right thing to do. You, you, you've got to get a vibe for that game and that's where your captains and your leaders need to go, no, Parramatta would hate if we played on here because we've got the momentum and we've got an opportunity to build on that. And I think that that's as simple as it is, right? That's all you have to do. What would the opposition not want us to do here? You're on the money. That's exactly, that, that, that's all you should be thinking about because not only that, you've given them a two or three minute rest. So all the energy you've taken out of them by attacking up until that point and establishing that lead, that's gone now because they're just sucking it in. Mm-hmm. So uh, look, a lot, there's other, the other way of thinking, there's a lot of coaches that say, just come away with points and you're in the positive, right? You've got to come away with points. But what that says is, well, that's fine. You just didn't think you could score a try. Yep. You didn't think you were good enough to get it. And so that that then is a great confidence boost um, for the Eels there. And look, they ended up getting away with it. Um, how did we find Xavier Savage's game? Average at best, I thought. thought he was very underwhelming. Um, couldn't really impose himself into the game anywhere. And like while his speed, he looked good. You know, he just... He's not a big body either, so he doesn't, he doesn't get that roll on. Um, that like some of the other fullbacks get uh, sort of Gutherson's probably got a better yardage game than Savage but you know he might come into it um, I th- think he probably at the moment isn't offering as much as what a CNK would but, um, but yeah I'm sure he's got the X factor there to to come good it was a bit chaotic I thought a bloke who was just trying to make a difference trying to find his way into the attack it's up to the the playmakers now to try and get him in good positions to to use his his skill set uh now and ricky needs to persist with him he can't just get rid of him uh you know like it's every chance that rapana's back there next week and he brings in valame or someone like that but i think he's got to persist with him work with him and coach those bad decisions out of him but it looked to me like a bloke who wanted to get involved who was trying but just didn't know where or how and at, in a first grade football side, that's got to be better. You've got to be able to get your weapons involved in the game more and easier than that. So hopefully he's better next week. Hopefully he gets a chance next week. But I, th- I think it's raw, but it can be refined. 
Supercoach duds and dunders, duds in this one. Um, Papali and Tarpanay were the best for the Raiders, 75 and 73 respectively. Um, over to the Eels and Bailey Simonson had 123. Fucking, I did it again. <laughs> I wrote him off on Tuesday night saying how shit he was and he fucking lit it up. Well, he's, he's pl- going, man. He's going once Sevo comes back. I and think he-, he knows that. That's why he put in. Oh, no, and he was also playing against his old club. Yeah, yep, as true. well down there, he had a very, he had a lot of uh, incentive to play well, and then Dylan Brown obviously, hundred and ten, um, he had two tries, didn't he? Yeah, he got two tries, two tries, yeah, yeah, yep. so three line breaks, yeah, three line breaks, wow, eight, um, tack- uh, I thought, uh, eight points in tackle bar. I thought the Parramatta yardage game was good. I was just looking at the H eight, so twenty two H eights from Bailey Simmonson and eighteen H eights from um, Wonga Blake, I think. The writing was on the wall there for Simpson. He's when Blake saw Blake come back, he was like, "Oh fuck!" Once Sevo's back, I'm gone. So he's pulled his finger out, but we'll see if it continues after he's not playing his old club again. Um, duds in this one. Uh, look, not too much um, here. Uh, look, Tommy Opacic's 27, but that's that's what he is and that's what he does. Um, Probably Gutho 31. I reckon's a bit of a dud. I was going to say Gutho. Yes. Yep. Obviously, he didn't have his best game. Uh, dropped that. Uh, that ball that led to Sebastian Chris's second try um, in this one. Uh, look, the, the Tom Starling thing seems to be over, doesn't it? There was probably a time and a place when you could carry him um, as your hooker, even though he only got 45 minutes off the bench because... 25 minutes off the bench. Yeah, yeah, he had really good upside, but hard for him to do that when he's only getting 25 minutes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, not great viewing in the uh, the hooker ranks for the Raiders. So, all right, lads, uh, round twelve in the books. Um, look, just touching uh, on tomorrow night too. Uh, we'll probably get uh, uh, all of our waivers and free agent uh, advice up over our social media posts. We're probably not going to do a potty this week, being the split round. Um, not for our waivers and that anyway. Uh, be good, good round to have the week off, um, and then we'll probably be back at it next week, um, heading into the round after Origin. Uh, we are going to do uh, a morning after again, um, but it will probably be after Origin next week. I'd, I'd assume because we'll only be wrapping four games uh, next week uh, on the Monday, so we'll probably do the morning after next Thursday. So about a week and a half off, lads. How good? Yeah, Sit I around. think the fans, the fans deserve it. They've put up with that <laughs> shit for put a up with now. a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Continue to get to us though uh, with your fan questions um, and your lineups. I know there's a lot of uh, comps out there that still run this weekend, um, even though it's a buy round. Again, our yearly uh, push to, to stop competitions playing buy rounds. <laughs> but uh, if you are, uh, feel free to get to us because, uh, you know, obviously Supercoach still goes on. So, And don't take the uh, week... If you don't play the buy round, don't take your week off transactions either. Waive a free agency, do everything because you might get half the comp that does um, and you might pick yourself up some gold. Um, before we go, I'd just like to say, because we're not going to be on, on Tuesday night, uh, our, our mate Azza did another trade um, in his fire sale that he's been having um, and he gave up Payne Haas for Mofot Awaker, Connor Tracy and Xavier Savage uh, to the bloke who also got James Tedesco and drafted Nathan Cleary uh, just to wrap up the season for everyone in a nice neat little fucking package and then Dean has given up fuck all, Connor Tracy's out after Ramian's back, Savage looks like he's probably out um, for Rapana. 
and Fodawake is injured and knocking out 40s at best. So, well don't done, forget, fucking good trade, man. But don't forget, he was sitting second on the waivers and was able to pick up Savage to make that trade happen. That's yeah. how it worked. <laughs> it was just like... But, but as he, I had Laurie, he, he, I, would have, I would have kept Laurie and not, not taken Savage, not taken the trade. 100%, 100%. But the fact that he was able to sit at second on the waiver for ages and then make that trade happen, he didn't even need Savage. He just did it to get Haas. Just, yeah, just talks to... Uh, nice one, other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but the, the best part about it was how much he fed us about, nah, Dean's got the best offer. Dean's got the best that offer That was not me. the best offer. That was not the best offer. <laughs> Such <laughs> a wanker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh well. That's it. it 2022 it in the books. Done. Enjoy your week off, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lads. All right. Ciao. Cheers, boys.